0: Well, thank you. It's uh, once again a pleasure to uh, be able to uh, uh, share the pulpit, as it were, and preach the Word of God. I know that uh, we have uh, uh, not only endured our time here in Australia, uh, we've enjoyed it as well. Uh, believe it or not. But uh, it's uh, also, uh, I guess, um, depending on how you look at it, everything sort of happened at the same time. Uh, we're happy for that, that it happened while we were in Australia uh, with the appendicitis and different things like that. Uh, we are happy that uh, we're able to get uh, good uh, medical attention um, and to be able to sort all that out while we are here in Australia. It also uh, makes us uh, ponder and think uh, uh, that, uh, you know, it doesn't, you don't have to be on the mission field to get sick. Uh, that is something that happens to uh, to everybody uh, all the time. We do live in a, in a, in a world uh, that is uh, under the curse, and so therefore, these are the things that we will experience. And uh, sometimes, uh, as missionaries, uh, we, we seem to think that uh, it's something special when we get sick on the mission field, but uh, we get sick everywhere, right? That's just a normal thing. Uh, there, there ought not to be a, a certain uh, special aspect to that, uh, but uh, it's... Um, It's uh, been a a, a bit of a a good time for us as a family. We've enjoyed uh, being a part of your church, uh, being a part of uh, the school. Uh, I know all sorts of kids' names that I've never met before, Uh, and uh, every now and then one comes up to me, introduces, and I'm like, "Oh, okay, that's who you are," and you know, sort of tick the box. Now I know. And uh, but uh, we've uh, enjoyed uh, uh, having our kids go along to school and every day come back and tell us stories and things that they learn. All good things, of course. All good things. Uh, And uh, It's just been a a good time. And uh, now we're going to take some time from that, actually uh, give you sort of a a thing of how things happened this week. I was meant to be uh, in Vanuatu during this week. I had some uh, pre-planned weddings um, that had been planned a year ago. Uh, Give you an understanding, one of our islands where a ministry has begun, uh, we've got uh, two young men that are up there who are starting ministries. Uh, They themselves can't do weddings. And uh, as you understand, when we go into villages, uh, the people are culturally married, uh, but they have never signed any legal documents or anything because the government's still yet to reach those places. Uh, they're quite remote and they're off the beaten track. And so uh, uh, the, the people uh, automatically obviously want to do what they call a church wedding uh, and uh, and sort of sign the papers and things like that. And so we were planning that uh, for a group of believers. I think it was seven weddings that were planned for that. And so uh, on... Uh, I think it was on a Thursday. Uh, Lizard had come out of surgery on Wednesday from a, a, another surgical procedure that he had, and then uh, on Thursday I said, "Are you sure you're feeling okay? You're great." She said, "It's fine. You can go. You'll be, you'll be, you know, you just go ahead." And so on Friday I hop on the plane and I land in Sydney. Give you sort of a how things happen and how things uh, sort of progress from there. Uh, I land in Sydney and I get an email and I'm in in the international airport in Sydney that says that my Vanuatu flight, which is Saturday to get to that little remote island, has been cancelled and now it's been moved to Sunday. And you can imagine why flying on a Sunday morning could be a problem uh, for a pastor or a preacher. Uh, That's kind of uh, a pretty important uh, time of the week. And so I called them up and uh, it didn't matter how much I complained. Uh, They said, sir, the plane is broken. Uh, It's on the tarmac. We're trying to fix it. And uh, we could fly you to one of these other islands. And the guy that was on the phone talking to me obviously had no idea where Vanuatu was. uh, Because he said, I can fly you to the island of Sola. That's really close to the island of Goa. And I'm looking at him going, no, that's not really close at all. And he said, maybe you can get a boat or something. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't work that way. (laughs) I said, I'll be stuck on that island the whole time. So so I'm sort of frustrated and sort of wondering about this. I hopped on a plane, uh, flew to uh, Vanuatu, I landed there and uh, got a text message from my wife that uh, uh, she was about to go into surgery for appendicitis. And uh, now I'm in Vanuatu already, so I can't really just hop on another plane and and come back. And so uh, I uh, got to Vanuatu, was able to see uh, that the ministry is going well. Uh, Our youth had a big uh, sort of youth dinner, uh, the young adults. uh, That's uh, 16 and up until you're single. You're a youth in Vanuatu. And uh, so I got to go there and they had brought all this food and everything. And uh, they said, Pastor, you say some words and you pray. So I said, Well, I flew all the way from uh, Australia just to eat your food, and uh, I'm flying back tomorrow morning. And they all laughed. Ah! And I said, No, I'm not joking. That's actually what's happening. And so uh, it was a good time, enough time to just uh, meet uh, the deacons of the church and some of the leaders in the church uh, to see that the work has continued uh, to to go on. And uh, sometimes, as a missionary, you think that uh, you're the proverbial plug in the uh, in the bathtub, and if you get pulled out. Everything's going to kind of get sucked out from there, but uh, uh, that has not happened. The work has continued to grow. Uh, The numbers are actually up. There was a whole bunch of new youth i have never met before. I said, who's that guy? Who's that guy? And I'm sort of shaking their hands from there, and so uh, exciting to see that happen. Uh, And then I was able to call one of the pastors uh, in the jungle, Pastor Gabby, and said, uh, would you be willing uh, on Saturday to to come down from the jungle and uh, hop on the flight on Sunday uh, to go to the other island and take my place. And uh, now it sort of made sense why that flight had been moved. I did see the plane on the tarmac too. When I landed, I was like, there it is. There was some mechanics underneath it uh, working on it. Uh, so I, uh, they weren't lying to me on the phone. And uh, just with all that happening, I was able to and make it back on uh, Saturday uh, to be by Liz's side. So that was uh, that was my week. I don't know how your week was, but uh, I got to see Vanuatu for 12 hours. That was fantastic, and uh, returned back. Uh, but it's a, a wonderful time to be at a, a missions conference uh, where we emphasise, we think about uh, uh, what God has called us to do in reaching the world. Uh, as we look at uh, different flags around the room, and you know the kids play games, guessing the flags and things like that, and uh, and to to sort of uh, really uh, stop for a moment as a church, even though we know that, uh, that, that missions goes on uh, every single uh, time that we get in behind the pulpit. Every single time we run ministries, we know that we're about the mission of God. Uh, but one year to set time aside and say, uh, what, what are we going to do in reaching uh, beyond our borders? What are we going to do in, in reaching uh, not just to, to, the, to the places uh, here in Australia, but beyond to countries that uh, we may never ourselves personally go to? And I want to look at Mark chapter 16 and verses 15. Uh, Mark chapter 16, verses 15, we here we, we see uh, Jesus uh, making a call uh, and giving us what we call the Great Commission. Uh, if you understand, commission means that we are working together uh, with uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. And uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more. But in Math- Ma- Mark chapter 16, verses 15, it says, And he said unto them, and he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Okay, so it sounds pretty simple. Sounds pretty simple. The command to them was to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now we'll see along the way that uh, that uh, these uh, disciples and uh, the Jews uh, uh, had some confusion about that, although it seemed like a pretty simple command. Uh, we love to make uh, things complicated, or uh, or uh, maybe not listening here. But uh, I want to look uh, and show you at Revelations. Uh, Revelations is an interesting book in the Bible because it kind of uh, it's the history of the future. I don't know how that works, but it is a a history of what's going to happen. Uh, So uh, it can be very confusing as you read through there. Uh, But I just want to bring out one verse in Revelation chapter 11 and verses 15. It says, And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdom of this world are become the kingdom of our Lord and of 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 his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. It tells us here that the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. Let's start off in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this opportunity to share your word. Dear Lord, you know that this is a Friday night. Uh, Many of us have had uh, a busy work day and busy schedules and have come into this building with uh, all sorts of uh, different thoughts and apprehensions. And dear Lord, I pray that you might just uh, uh, for a small moment in time, dear Lord, be able to uh, set our thoughts on your word. Dear Lord, to be able to to ask uh, the question, dear Lord, what will we do? in partnering with you, dear Lord, in reaching this world uh, with your incredible message of the gospel. Uh, Heavenly Father, I pray that you might just be able to uh, uh, speak to our hearts, dear Lord, uh, not just our minds, uh, as we look through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So something incredible takes place between Mark chapter 16 uh, and verses 15, and Revelation chapter 11 uh, verses 15, which is talking about the future And that is the fact that uh, uh, here, uh, as it were, there is a, uh, we we oftentimes say 12, but there's actually 11 uh, disciples who are standing there as Jesus uh, gives a call to them. Uh, It probably wasn't just them. There was probably a few more people that were gathered, uh, uh, possibly even a group of 120 or so people. But we know that uh, uh, the command was given to the disciples uh, in particular to go into all the world. and and reach the world with the gospel. It's a pretty incredible task when you really sit down and consider and think about it. But the good news is, when we look over in Revelation, not just in the verse that we read, but in in multiple verses throughout Revelation, uh, we find this statement keeps on getting made, and it says that there are there are people from every uh, nation, there are people from every uh, language, every kin- kindred, and it uses these different words. And so we know that as we look over into Revelations, uh, it's kind of cheating, really. Uh, it's uh, I, I was I was talking to some people recently, and uh, as we were talking about different things, uh, uh, you know, and I was I was uh, I was debating about whether uh, uh, books were actually better or movies. Uh, I love to do this kind of stuff. And the reason was, uh, for me, I'm thinking a book uh, is a really, it's a lot of effort and time that you need to put into that. And in 45 minutes, I can watch the movie and decide whether it's worth it to read the book. Uh, was How I was debating, and then uh, and then uh, I, I was taking the side of the movie, sorry about that, Pastor, but uh, uh, they were taking the side of books, and I was saying, books are super antisocial, you don't talk to anybody, uh, don't talk to me, you know, it's kind of like, there's like a code uh, that you can't talk to somebody with a book I tried this recently I went to the hospital if you're playing on your phone the doctor will come in and just disturb you uh, but if you're reading a book you try this try it for me you're reading a book they'll come in and go <clears throat> excuse me and then you take you pause and then you look up from your book. It's like this, just this psychological thing to that. Uh, I don't know how it works. And so uh, uh, we were talking about this and uh, uh, one of the kids and uh, the parents were, were standing there as well. They were getting quite upset because obviously books was an important thing. And I know that I'm taking the wrong side of the argument. And uh, one of the kids said, well, what I do is I just read the end of the book. I read the last chapter. And uh, I'm thinking, well, it's pointless reading the book now. Now you know the ending. But they said, no, I read the end of the chapter and then I know whether it's worth reading uh, because I I know that it ends well. Uh, You know, it sort of finishes on a good note. Uh, There is nothing worse than uh, investing a lot of time into something, a lot of effort into something, and then finding out that it's an utter failure. Uh, There's nothing worse than investing time in a book and finding out that there's just no real ending. It just kind of like lets you come up with the ending. I hate that. I don't want to come up with the ending. Or I wouldn't have read your book. I would have just come up with some story in my mind on my own. Uh, But uh, in that same aspect, when we come along as Christians and we consider the Great Commission, we consider the mission that we've been given, there's this incredible thing that God does and he gives us the end of the story. And the end of the story shows us that, hey, guess what? We win. We win. And that is good news. Hey, hey guess what? It's accomplished. And that is good news. Because sometimes uh, you, can, you can get down on yourselves and sometimes, and I've been in churches and I've been in conversations with people uh, where, where it's very, very negative. And, uh, and you think, uh, you know, well, I guess it's not really going to happen. It's not really going to happen or maybe we've, we've failed or, uh, or people will make statements like uh, churches just weren't invested in missions like they used to be. Uh, you know, young people just aren't interested in serving God like they used to be. And I love it because as you read through history, you'll find uh, every single generation in history making those same statements uh, about the next generation coming up. Uh, and, uh, but yet, uh, here we are. At a missions conference uh, in year 2018, we're coming together on a Friday night, and we're considering uh, what is our part to play in reaching lost souls for Christ. And as we consider that, the great part is that that we win. Amen. That's the great part. Uh, you know, uh, Australians are one of the few countries to celebrate uh, a battle or battles that we lost. Um, I had, you know, we were here during Anzac Day, and so uh, it was a first for our children uh, to sort of get to know, and they saw, you know, different soldiers or military people came to the school and talked to them, and, and uh, I was having this conversation with my daughters uh, about Gallipoli, and, and you're like, you're a terrible Australian, you hadn't told them about this stuff yet? Well, it just didn't really come up in conversation, and the homeschooling's American, so sorry about that, but uh, uh, we were talking about this, and, um, and they're saying, we're saying, well, what, what, what was Gallipoli? Well, it's a battle that we lost. Well, why are we celebrating a battle that we lost? Well, the good news is we won the war. So, so that battle is really important because we won the war. And uh, as we think about being Christians, there will be times where we will lose battles. But the good news is that we win the war. And so when we think about eternal things and we consider what is going to take place, uh, I hope that tonight we are encouraged that, hey, guess what? We might lose battles along the way. And and, uh, if you've been uh, a Christian for any amount of time, uh, you know, and I'm talking within five to ten years or longer than that, uh, if uh, like myself, you've grown up in the Independent Baptist Circle, uh, you can hear many, many stories that are really discouraging. You can hear many, many stories of things that have happened that you think, oh, what? No, they didn't. And, and that seems to become like a reoccurring conversation as you meet people. But it would be akin to military people sitting down and talking and saying, hey, you know what? So-and-so just got shot in Iraq. What? No. Yeah. We're in a battlefield. That's what happens. People get shot. And, uh, and soldiers don't just hang up their weapons and say, well, I didn't sign up to that, you know, <laughs> that's, not, that's not what I've signed up to. But, uh, but uh, you turn around and say, I want to get conscripted to go back there and sort of sort of do some payback or, uh, or get involved. And as Christians, when we hear that as somebody else, something bad once again has happened and somebody else has resigned and somebody else this has happened, as Christians, I hope that rather than be discouraged and be down and think, well... You know what? It's probably we're probably not going to succeed. It's probably not going to happen. Instead of being that way, we ought to be encouraged and realize, hey, it is a battlefield, and uh, let's load up. Let's. Uh, the Bible tells us let's consider ourselves first of all when those things and situations happen. Uh, let's consider ourselves that that we don't fall as well, and uh, and let's load up and let's take the battle as it were to the enemy. Uh, We look at Revelations and we're greatly encouraged because there is a church somewhere in the history of the world who decided that we're going to be about the Great Commission. Uh, There is a group of people somewhere in the history of the world that said, you know what, we're going to make this command that Christ gave to us, we're going to make it our first priority in our church. I remember coming to this church as I was quite young, I think I was like 23, when we headed out or we prepared to head out to the mission field. I had two daughters at the time, two small little kids, and I remember coming, a pastor had just sort of begun here at the church, and I remember him telling me something, he probably doesn't remember, but he said, you know what, he said, we want to support every single person that goes to the mission field. And not only that, but someday we want to be able to, if it was possible, have a missionary in every single country in the world. And I sort of was sort of taken back by that because you don't get that in a lot of churches that you go to. I would get all sorts of different reactions from people, as I would call them. Uh, You see, I had grown up as a missionary kid, so I kind of knew like all the pastors all over Australia because I'd been in their houses or been at their youth camps or been at some event, big meetings. And so uh, unfortunately, uh, I'm not very smart. And I just assumed that everybody would be my friends because we all shook hands and smiled at each other. And I quickly learned as I did several phone calls that that was not the case, Uh, that there were lines drawn in the sand. I thought the lines drawn in the sand was us and them, the enemy, but there was then a lines again, once again, put in the sand, and I had to very quickly learn this. Uh, but I can tell you that when you come to a church where you find a pastor that has a vision for missions, it, it's, it's a real relief for a missionary to go, well, so you, you don't want me to send all, you know, you don't want me to answer some questionnaires, you don't want me to do all these different things. No, 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 we just, you're going to go and preach the gospel, right? Yes, that's correct. Okay, we want to get behind you. Because uh, that's what we've been called to do. Uh, let me tell you what it's going to take uh, for, for, for 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 the world to be reached with the gospel. It's going to take three things. You know, Australia has played a, a vital role, I believe, in reaching the world with the gospel. Uh, if you consider, for a moment with me, uh, places uh, like Vanuatu, for example. I'm a missionary there, so... That's a good topic to talk about. Uh, But if you consider Vanuatu, uh, Independent Baptist, although we are very, very small, although we probably most people wouldn't even know what that is, although a lot of us wouldn't identify with that name even in in certain aspects, depending on, oh, no, we're not that kind of Independent Baptist is usually the reaction. Uh, You know that uh, our small, very inconsiderate group, as it were, Uh, because of these group of churches, uh, we were some of the first people in the world to reach some of the villages in Vanuatu. Now, Neutralized Missions is worth millions and millions. They have helicopters, they have planes. Uh, For every missionary that goes out into the jungle, uh, they say there's a staff of between 10 and 20 people who are at the base camp uh, sending food and medical supplies and they have schools and different things like that. Uh, But... uh, A small little tiny group in Australia was able to send missionaries to a country like Vanuatu, was able to go into the jungle without signing paperwork and doing all this crazy stuff and and, and preach the gospel for the first time in the history of some of those villages which we would consider language groups, even though they're part of the nation of Vanuatu, some of them are language groups like the people in the Tiale language. Uh, God has enabled us uh, to be a part in reaching those people with the gospel. As you look at that world map, there are people all around the world uh, because uh, some churches decided, hey, uh, you know what, we want to be about the mission. Well, there's not a lot of us. Uh, that wasn't what the disciples told them. Say, so, oh, there's not a lot of us. Uh, what are we in light of, of the Roman Empire? Uh, They didn't sit down and think, well, you know, this isn't, I'm not sure we should be doing this just yet. We're new Christians. I mean, Jesus has just gone up into heaven. Is this really something, should we not do some other things first and consider some other things and make some plans and create some committees? Uh, No. They turned around and realized that the command was given and they got committed. Uh, First of all, the three things that I believe that our churches need are pastors with vision. We need pastors with vision, uh, with vision not just uh, for reaching uh, lost souls in Australia, but with a worldwide vision uh, to reach the world. Uh, you know, there are there are many churches who have pastors who do not have any vision. Unfortunately, sometimes as a missionary, uh, we, we will visit uh, with pastors who you would say do not have a vision. Uh, they don't have a vision beyond uh, the, the first row of people in their pew. Uh, but uh, it, the first and foremost thing that we need as a church is we need pastors with vision. Uh, your pastor has been talking to you about about praying uh, for an hour, praying for an hour. And uh, as you consider that thought, uh, I hope my, my plead with you is that you would pray for your pastor, that he would have vision. Uh, you know, sometimes uh, people will make comments like, Oh, that pastor. Have you heard what they're planning on doing? They want to build this ginormous thing. You get to hear all this as you travel, right? They're going to build this ginormous thing and there's like only like a small group of people. And I'm thinking in my mind, wow, that's pretty exciting. (laughs) That's pretty exciting Uh, because they've got a vision for what could become. They've got a vision for the future. Uh, uh, And uh, we know the Bible talks a lot about vision and we need pastors with vision. So we see this group of people In Mark, they're told to go into all the world. Let's have a look at them in Acts. I just want to show you uh, very quickly. We're going to jump through this. Uh, Acts chapter 1, verses 8. It tells us, But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So a little bit more detailed. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, in Judea, and all Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. When he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. So think with me for a second. They've come to a mountain. Jesus called them there. They come there to meet him. And and, uh, usually they were told... Pretty important things on mountain tops, and a lot of things happen on mountain tops. Uh, mountain takes a bit of effort to get to. Uh, I know people are like, oh, I love mountain tops. I'm like, I hate mountain tops. <laughs> They're like, why do you hate mountaintops? It's, it's hard work to get up there, and then you get up there for a few seconds, and you got to go back down, uh, back into the valley, and back to back to slogging through the jungle again. Uh, but here they are on top of the mountain, and, and Jesus gives this last command to them, and uh, it, it's pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. And there's not a whole lot of details. Uh, It's very simple. It's very straightforward. And then he ascends up into heaven. And think with me for a second. Here they all are just just looking awkwardly up into heaven. And out of nowhere, these two people appear. That's what the Bible tells us. These two people appear, and uh, they turn around and say, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? Um, Did you not just see what happened? <laughs> uh, why stand you gazing up into heaven? A man just ascended up into heaven. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, the guy we've been following for you know roughly three years, has now just gone, and we're just kind of standing here waiting for him to come back down. <laughs> uh, because uh, the plan is for him to set up his kingdom, and uh, we're going to be the guys sitting beside him and ruling. Uh, did you not pick up the details of what we were told? That's probably what some of them are thinking right then. Like, why is, why is, he, why is he going up? Why is he going up? <laughs> you know, Thomas, ask him, where, where is he going? <laughs> we don't know where he's going. What, what's happening? The angels appear and say, why, why stand you gazing? Obviously, it's not a, a question that needs an answer. I think that's called a rhetorical question. It says, this same Jesus was just taken up from you unto heaven shall so come in like manner as he has seen him go in heaven. Okay. So the same way he's gone up. He's going to come back down. But in between those two events, you were told to do something. And that was to go into all the world, preach the gospel. Everywhere. Every place in the whole world. You know, we can have pastors who have a vision for many things, but not the world. Uh, you can meet Pastors who have uh, all sorts of great plans that do not include reaching the world with the gospel. The angel said, the same way he's gone up, he's going to come back down. But in the meantime, he's told you to do something. He's told you to get busy. So uh, the church of Jerusalem starts to grow. Exciting things are happening. They're reaching more and more Jews. Bigger, bigger church. It sort of happens. You go all the way over to Acts chapter 8, verses 1. Just coincidental that Acts 1, eight Acts 8, one kind of falls in place, but that's not my message. And Saul was consenting under death. And at the same time, there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the region of Judea, Samaria, except the apostles. So God had to allow persecution to come into the church to scatter people. Wouldn't it be a sad state if one day we stand, we find ourselves standing in front of God, and we say, well, we could just never get the numbers that we wanted. Mm-hmm. I kept scattering you. I kept scattering you because you weren't doing what I had told you to do. I couldn't allow this to continue because, because uh, the Great Commission wasn't being fulfilled. Uh, exciting things were taking place as this church grew, but something happened. They stayed in Jerusalem. They stayed in Jerusalem and they're reaching more and more Jews and, That was exciting, and God had had to allow persecution to take place, and as people spread out, I love this because these were normal people. The people that spread out were just normal people in the church, and uh, here's here's where we make a statement uh, oftentimes that, uh, you know, we are all uh, missionaries, and uh, I'd like to sort of clarify that. We are all on a mission. Uh, we're all all being sent by the church to go to a foreign country, but but we are all on a mission, uh, and so as God uh, takes us wherever we go, hopefully our prayer is that God, as God leads us to places, uh, we will be preaching the gospel wherever we get taken to, uh, wherever that be in the workplace, wherever uh, you, you are placed, that you would take the gospel with you as you go there. And so these people who were spread out because of persecution rather than getting discouraged and disgruntled and upset and every time you meet them they just talk about what went on in Jerusalem and uh, how things happened and oh man it was a it was there was this and there was that and and no the people went about and they spread the message of the Lord Jesus Christ they they understood that this message was not just for leadership but this message was for each individual to be a part of spreading And so we have a look over in Acts chapter 11 and verses 19. Now they which were scattered abroad. Okay, so you know the group. They were scattered over there in Acts 1.8. Now that they were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen, traveled as far as Phoenice and Cyprus and Antioch. What did they do? Preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. Still hadn't got it fully yet. They're just, they're just going out there and, well, we're only going to go, go find where the Jews are. We're going to preach to them. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. Finally, we get to hear the gospel, us Gentiles. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came unto the ear of the church, which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch. And when he came, he had seen the grace of God and was glad. That's usually what happens when you see God at work in people's lives. Uh, when people visit mission fields, they usually come back glad. Uh, because you've seen what God is doing. Uh, God's doing something here as well. And, uh, and, and we get glad as well. But, uh, but we we're able to see what, that God is working somewhere else. In people in a language that I don't speak. Who eat different foods? Hey, God's just as real to them. Maybe God's real. It's sort of how what happens when we go on mission fields? Uh, we sort of take note that oh, if this person God's real to them, so so this God thing's not just the Australians. It's not just the this. This is a real, genuine thing. So so he 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 sees the grace of God. He was glad, and he exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. He encouraged them. To follow in the decision that they had made to Christ. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost of faith. And much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus to seek Saul. When he found him, he brought him unto Antioch. So you can see the progression of what takes place here. The church at Antioch in Acts chapter 13 is where we go. That's our go-to verse when we go to talk about missions. This is our go-to verse. This This is where it started. This is what happened. You know what the church at Antioch had? They had some leaders that were committed to the gospel. Uh, Barnabas was committed when he went, hey, I'll go. Uh, send me. I'll go up there. I'll find out what's going on uh, with these new believers who aren't Jews. Uh, I'll go up there and see what's happening. And then as things were happening, he thought, man, I, I, I need help and help. The one guy I can think of is this Saul this character. I mean, these guys don't really know him. I mean, he persecuted the Jews, uh, so everyone's got a problem with him. But, but these guys won't. And he, and he goes and, and, and brings uh, Paul, and there they find themselves now leading this church. And here we see in Acts chapter 13 that God said that he was going to call these two, and as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, it's usually a pretty good place to find a missionary ministering to the Lord, Sometimes I've met people who say, I believe God's called me to be a missionary. And you're like, oh, really? Because you haven't done anything here ever. No, no, they were ministering unto the Lord and fasted. And the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. Hang on a second. These are the guys that came here to help us. We're going to release them now? No, no, let's send somebody else. I, I, I find it an incredible opportunity to preach in this church uh, because we have a pastor, and we have a missionary, and uh, and when the pastor became a missionary, uh, there were a lot of people that were thinking, "Is he really connected to God here? Really? I mean, come on! Like, let's send somebody else to that country. You know, Let, let's not send let's not send pastor. Let, let's send somebody else. Well, God probably." called a few other people before he got to pastor. It's possibly happened. People said, no, nah, no, nah, I'm going to stick around here. Things are pretty good. But, uh, but here we have a church in Antioch, and God's calling the guys who came and helped everything establish. and he's saying, now, I, I want to take you guys. You know, wouldn't it be a good thing if we sent our best to the mission field? That's a, that's a, that's a pretty good thing. That's a pretty good thing to take place. See, we need leaders and pastors who are committed to the work of God. You know, one of the saddest things is, uh, and I know there's, there's a lot of uh, people around the world who, who um, maybe aren't honest in, in what they're doing in regards to missions. But, but, but let me tell you, our pastors in Vanuatu could be doing a whole bunch of other things. It's not a financial gain to, to be a missionary. It's not a financial gain to to be a pastor and and shepherd God's flock. Uh, We need pastors who are not in the ministry for the applause and the approval of people. If that was the case, there'd probably be a lot more people here. If pastor was in the business about receiving the approval of people, uh, this church would look very different from what it looks right now. But we need pastors who are committed to the approval of God. Who are committed to the approval of God. Second Timothy chapter 2, verses 10, as the Apostle Paul spoke, he said, I will endure all things. We need pastors who are willing to endure all things. We need pastors who will live for what Jesus died for. We need pastors who are not concerned about their flyer mile points and credit points and, and things like that, but we need pastors who are concerned about souls of the lost. We don't need pastors who are distracted and divided, but we need pastors who are committed to reaching the world with the light of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember once I, I went to a church and this pastor was into conspiracy theories. That's always a fun one because you're the missionary, so you've got to like play along like, ah, okay. And, uh, uh, you know, pastor, you're, you're a bit older than me, so you probably, you're just like, that's dumb. Stop talking to me. But I... Uh, <laughs> I was in that position where I was younger, so I had to like, oh, okay, yes. Did you know man didn't go to the moon? Oh, we didn't go to the moon. I, I, don't, I don't know conspiracy theories. I don't know what that stuff is. And uh, he was just telling me about one conspiracy theory after another conspiracy theory, and it was like it was very difficult to to sort of sit through that and uh, experience that. But as he was telling me all this stuff, I was like, isn't isn't like Satan like? Doing stuff around the world right now, and, and his demons, isn't that isn't that what's happening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But let me tell you about this. But shouldn't shouldn't you not be surprised uh, that that guy's connected with that with that with maybe uh, connected with that with that with that? Should should you not be surprised when you go? Well, yeah. Satan's Satan's running amok here in this world, uh, and uh, and uh, people would tell me about these conspiracies, and and I would think, well, uh, isn't it supposed to be that Christ died for the world, and that we have a mission to accomplish? And not be concerned about what this guy's doing and this guy's doing and, and this guy over here. A uh, Good Shepherd Baptist Church, your concern ought to be about what Good Shepherd Baptist Church is doing to reach the world. As missionaries, we find ourselves in a position where, where sometimes we almost, it's almost like uh, uh, the churches are the shareholders. And uh, we're running the big organization and we've got to consider the shareholders uh, what will they think if we do this, or if we do this, or if we do this? And I remember spending some time with pastors who would, would have the same thought. Well, we would do this, but uh, we're just concerned what the guys down the road are going to think. Well, I, I, I don't know about you guys, but last time I checked, we call ourselves independent. Uh, I remember someone wrote a letter uh, to me once, and they said, are you an independent Baptist, or are you a Baptist church that's independent? And I didn't know how to reply to the question. I was like, I was like, my brain is exploding right now. I don't know what he means. Uh, you know, independent. It's pretty simple. Uh, we stand alone. Good Shepherd Baptist Church, it's, it's your mission to reach the world. Well. But sometimes we can be looking outwardly. Well, who, who else is going to accomplish this? Uh, come on, some of the other guys have, have got to get on board. Or well, imagine if, with me for a second, if the only gospel preaching church in all of Australia was this church. Well, that's heavy. It's supposed to be. When we consider the call that God has given us, when pastor, you consider the mission that God has given us, it's it's a heavy, it's a heavy cause. Romans chapter 9, verses 1 to 3, the Apostle Paul talked about how heavy the call on his life to see soul saved was. Uh, you have a look, and we won't spend a long time reading this, but just you can just read very quickly and you can sort of start to pick up the feeling and the thoughts that he has. But he says, I say the truth in Christ. I lie not. It's kind of interesting that he had to clarify that. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have a great heaviness and continually sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were a curse for Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. What an incredible thing to say. I, I sometimes we will read things like this and think, man, I don't know if I have that kind of burden for souls. I don't know if that's a statement that I would make about some people in the jungle somewhere. As we we think about what the Apostle Paul and the statements that he made, and we think, why was the world transformed when the Apostle Paul stepped into ministry? Because he had a heart, an incredible heart, an incredible burden for those who were lost. I remember one of my pastors in Vanuatu who um, had had appendix, and it took him too long to get from the jungle to town, and the appendix had burst, and and, uh, he was very close to death. They they actually had an open wound um, so that everything was seeping out because they don't have the procedures like we do here in Australia to clean everything up and that, and it was touch and go, and he was on his bed, and he, he looked quite concerned. Um, You know, you just pick that up when you visit someone that something's on their mind and and, uh, that something's not right. It's always one of those interesting things when you're at the hospital and someone visits you and they're like, how are you doing? It's like, (laughs) Uh, anyway. I think we get that from the English. Apparently, uh, how do you do is not a question. You're supposed to respond with how do you do. I don't know. That's a royalty for you. But he was sitting on the bed, suffering in pain. And uh, one of the pastors sitting beside him said, Pastor Sylvain. You look, you look concerned. You look worried. And he said, oh, I'm just concerned that if I die, who's going to keep the ministry going? I'm just concerned that if I die right now, who's going to keep preaching the gospel in the jungle? You know, as, as, I, as I think about people like the Apostle Paul, people like Pastor Sylvain and, and many other men around the world who have a, truly have a heart for the lost, my prayer is, God, give me that heart that on my deathbed my concern would not be about anything else other than is the gospel going to be preached and reached to other people the second thing we need is people's we need we need people with provision for the vision you can have a great pastor with a great vision but if he's got people that aren't getting on board with the vision that he has it's going to amount to nothing There there is nothing more exciting than a pastor with vision and a church who says, uh, we're going to provide the provision to see that vision met. There's also nothing worse than finding a pastor who has a great vision and people are just not on board. People are not on board at all. We need people with provision for the vision. I was thinking about, I was watching these different shows on TV. Um, I, I love watching shows about building houses and people purchasing houses and selling houses and I find that interesting. And uh, one of the most interesting things i found was, was the, the great efforts people were willing to go to build a building. I mean, the amount of money people were willing to commit to, to just get a building up. And I was just thinking about that, I was, and it's, you know, it's this very Australian show. I, I thought, hmm, I wonder if we put just a small amount of that effort into missions, What would happen as we think about that? The gospel is free, but getting the lost to the lost is not free. Hope you understand that. The gospel is free, but getting to the lost is not free. Uh, uh, One trip into the jungle, if I can just sort of share my heart with you right now, cost me about $250. A trip to the jungle. Why? Fuel in the truck, food to feed ourselves so we get up into the village, we're not a burden on the people, Uh, on cost. If you've ever gone four-wheel driving, it's not a cheap thing that people do. Uh, it's quite costly to replace bearings and things and that in the vehicle. And that's us on the field. Brother Paul just went to India. That's a cost. There's a, there's a cost incurred in reaching the lost with the Lord Jesus Christ. First Corinthians 16 verses 15 tells us about certain Christians that had addicted themselves to coffee. no. Addicted themselves to gambling. Addicted themselves to what? To the ministering of the saints. They addicted themselves to missions. There's been a few times in my life that I've been to a church where I've actually thought, these guys have a problem. <laughs> and they're a little bit too addicted to this. I mean, they're, they're a bit, this is a bit too much. But I hope that we understand that, that we are either are blessed, called to be blessed, or we're called to be a blessing. Uh, we're, we're either called to be blessed or we're called to be a blessing. In our minds, uh, what, what is the answer to that question? Do you believe that you've been called of God to be blessed by God or do you believe you've been called of God to be a blessing to others? In Galatians chapter 3, verses 29, it says, And if, if, you, be, if you be in Christ, then ye are Abraham, Abraham's seeds and heirs according to the promise. Salvation. Salvation we have blessed. For what? To bless others. Abraham was told that he would be a blessing to the many nations. He would be a blessing to the world. Uh, we've been called to be a blessing to the world. You know, I can tell you that when, when somebody in some country that you've never heard of before receives the gospel, you're a blessing to those people. First Timothy chapter 6, verses 18 tells us when, it, when it's talking about finances and why we ought to have it and what we ought to do with it. Um, it says that they could do good, that they' be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. The Bible tells us that uh, it 's okay to be rich in this world, but don't forget that the purpose is to be able to distribute, to be able to give, to be able to, to communicate that to other people. Second Corinthians chapter nine verses 11 says, "Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness which causes through us thanksgiving to God, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness. Bountifulness. I had to look at that word up in the dictionary. You probably don't. Uh, but it means giving, willing to give to others. We need people with a, with a provision that will get behind the vision. What is Christ calling us to do? He's calling us to change our temporal, earthly gain into an eternal weight of glory. Jesus said, and I, I thought about this quite at length this afternoon as I was reading this, he actually said, Don't lay treasures up. Don't lay treasures up in this world, but lay them up in heaven. Imagine if Jesus was to enter your house and to to, to look at the way you you, you live your life and, and what you, you put your biggest efforts into, would Jesus say, I told you not to do that? that, that that's, that's not That's not why you have that. Let's not do that. Let's let's invest in eternal things. And lastly, I believe that we need to play our part. We need to play our part. As we consider people who are called uh, to missions, and we can make a a big deal about it. Um, And, you know, I grew up in an environment where it was a big deal to be a missionary. Everywhere we went, we were honoured and put on the platform and talked about. Uh, But in all honesty, I believe personally that I'm just playing my part in what God's laid on my heart to do. And uh, just like uh, a soccer team, as you go into the field, and uh, the other day I didn't move around much from the pulpit because I sort of tore something. I don't know what it was, but uh, getting old. Uh, But as you go onto the field, it takes everyone playing their part. And when you win, you don't say... Good win, pastor. You scored the goal. Good win. The rest of us, a bunch of losers. No, you, you play your part. The strikers play their parts to score. The midfields play their part to, I don't know what they do, and I don't think our team knows what they do either, uh, but we're supposed to do something in the middle. Um, And uh, and the defence play their part in in defending. And the goalkeeper, worst job in the world, because the only time you ever acknowledge him is when he misses a goal. Uh, He plays his part in, in stopping the ball. Everyone plays their part, and you have a winning team. When we think about missions and the great commission it's it's everyone playing their part it's a pastor who has a vision it's the people who have the provision to provide for that vision and it's people who are willing to play their part you might be the biggest giver in this church but god might be telling you hey your part is not here your part is to go and and you might be the greatest giver the biggest supporter of pastor and, uh, and if you told pastor, I believe God's calling me, he'll be like, no, no, not you, somebody else. Uh, but uh, but uh, if God has called you elsewhere and you're not there, you're not playing your part in what God's called you to do. I've met missionaries who I believe probably shouldn't be on the mission field, but that's not my uh, call to say. But I would think you're not playing your part. You probably should have stayed home. You probably should have been part of sending so that others could go. Each and every one of us are playing our part. I don't wake up in the morning in Vanuatu and think, wow, I'm an incredible Christian because I'm here. Especially not when I'm sipping on a coffee and looking at the sunrise over the ocean in front of my house. But I'm not going to go into that. Uh, <laughs> Pastor, I think we need to drop your support. Uh, but uh, we're playing our part. I'm playing the part in what God's called me to do. The question is, are you playing the part in what God's called you to do in the position that you find yourself in? We need people who are willing to play their part in spreading the gospel. You know, uh, God has set set across a plan and the plan is for us to be a part of what he's done. What did he do? Uh, God's completed his task. He sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ came down onto this earth and he completed his part uh, when he died upon the cross and rose from the dead. And now Jesus turns around and, and gives us our part. Our part to play in in eternity, and that is that that we will go and reach others with the Lord Jesus Christ. We're just going to close off with this sort of Matthew chapter twenty four. Matthew chapter twenty four, verses fourteen. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then the end come. And then shall the end come. And this gospel shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. There's a lot of things we can be busy doing. And uh, having, I guess, grown up and, and been in church. I'm now 34 for a long time. I've seen a, a lot of good things people get invested to. I've seen churches get involved in, in a lot of things that, that seemed really important at the time. But Jesus Christ has called us to one thing. That's what you're talking about this weekend. The Great Commission. We can have the, the, the best worship team that we can have. We, we can have the best buildings uh, that money can buy. I mean, we can have the, the highest standard that, that any church has ever seen. I'm not sure if that's something we want, but uh, we can we can have... All of these incredible things. But if we have all of these things and, and we actually forget the thing that's going to bring the end, and that is the spread of the gospel of Lord Jesus Christ, wouldn't it be a sad thing if, if all the devil has to do is get us distracted? Get us looking at other places, getting us concentrating on other things when God's calling us to play our part in, in, in his redemption of the world? God's calling each and every one of us as individuals to play our part. My question to you as, as I, I look at a, a church and this many people that are here tonight, are, are you playing your part? Are you playing your part in, in spreading the gospel here and around the world? Oftentimes, we preach about giving more, uh, getting more invested. But in all reality, if we just preached, hey, get on board. If we are the body of Christ, everybody that's here is what this church needs. But is everybody here doing their part? Because when your body fails in doing what it's supposed to, you get the kind of weak that I'm getting right now with my wife. When your body says, yeah, I'm not going to do the thing I'm supposed to do, all sorts of bad things happen. If everybody here in this church would say, hey, I want to play my part. In, in, in being part of the Great Commission, not just reaching here, but reaching into all the world, we need pastors with passion, we need people with provision, willing to get behind the vision, and we need people that are willing to play their part. Have everybody about and every eye close, and have Pastor come up and